custom is that we begin our time together reading God's word to each other. So would you stand to your feet? It'll be on the screen. And we're going to read Jeremiah 32, 26, 27 out loud and encourage one another with these words and then we'll hear from the choir. Let's read this together. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Look, I am the Lord, the God over every creature. Is anything too difficult for me? Do you believe that anything is too difficult for him? No, it is not. I believe, I believe the same. So would you grab a seat and let's hear from the choir together.
to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. For some of us, this might look like entering into a relationship with God for the first time. For others, it might look like joining local church or being baptized. Wherever we are in our journey, we want to encourage everyone to take their next steps toward Christ. Well, my name is Alan, and it is so awesome to join with you all in worship today. If you are a guest with us today, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, whether if you're here in person or online, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We would love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. A Connect card looks like this. This is in the back of the seat in front of you. If you would fill this out, this will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. And then after service, if you like, you can go through these central doors and turn left. There you'll see our Next Steps desk. There you can turn this card in to someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have about our church and also give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so, so glad that you're here today. Well, we're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. And as we do, I encourage all of us to prepare our hearts for worship later in the service as we go to the Lord giving our tithes and offerings. So please join with me in prayer. Lord, we praise you today for the victory that you have given to us in Jesus. This amazing victory, this battle, this war that has been won over sin and death by the victorious resurrection of Jesus. And we learn of this amazing good news in your word. This morning we lift up to you our core value of biblical faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us in the pages of the Bible, that you've not left us without a message from you, but you have spoken to us. You have revealed yourself to us 
And Lord, we ask that in response to that, that we would be faithful to your word, to the words of the Bible. We ask that it would be common for us to be speaking of your words in our families, in our life groups, here at church, wherever we are, that your words will be on our lips and that we will be faithful, that you would make us more and more faithful each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. We pray this morning not only for ourselves, Father, but we lift up to you those worshiping you in a, chant, in a church plant all the way across the globe in London, led by Carl Porter. We thank you for Carl, for his ministry, for our, our, our friendship with him, that we get to join with him in ministry. And we ask that you would just totally pour out your blessing on him and this amazing church plant this morning. Lord, that they would be blessed by the goodness of your word, by the truth that is, that is spoken of in the Bible. Would you please bless this church today? Our hearts, Lord, continue to go out for those who have experienced devastation here in Kentucky, in eastern Kentucky, with the flooding that's gone on. And we pray that you would be so close to those who have been impacted, who have lost loved ones, who have lost houses and things. Lord, please be with these people now. And we pray for those who are serving them, who are uh, you know, on disaster relief teams from the Kentucky Baptist Convention and, and other groups, that you would be with those who are loving and extending your loving hand in this time. We pray in this dark and hard time that your good news would go forth, that hearts would be open, and that you would comfort those with the good news of Jesus. Closer to home, Lord, our hearts go out to those who are experiencing health concerns at this time. We think of Brenda Lowe. We ask that you would be with her as she has surgery this week. We ask that this would go well, that it would be successful, that you'd be with the doctors and comfort Brenda and her family in this time. We also pray for Michelle Bond. Lord, please bless her and her family. She's dealing with a number of health concerns, with tests being done. We ask for good results. We pray that you would strengthen her body, that you would bring healing, even miraculous healing to her. And we pray that you would be so close to her and her family. Finally, Lord, we come to you with our greatest need, our greatest health concern, and that, that is that we have sinned against you, a holy God. You are just and perfect in all that you do, and we have fallen short of your holy standards. We deserve your judgment, but you have been so kind to us. You've been so gracious that you've sent Jesus to take our place, that your wrath was poured out on him as he died on the cross in our stead. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing good news and that he rose from the dead, conquering death. We praise you for what he has done. And now we come to you as sinners, asking that you would cleanse us, that you would forgive us, washing us clean because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We praise you for the victory that you've given to us in Jesus. And we continue to worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And let us take and give comfort and the fact that Christ will never abandon us despite our sin. Let's stand to our feet and sing. Oh 
join me in your copy of God's Word or in your devices to Matthew chapter 8. It is page 861 in the Pew Bible in front of you if you want to follow along in that translation, 861. We are beginning a series for the next several weeks as we have kind of been dipping back into the Gospel of Matthew, slowly walking our way through. We started back in December. We've had several series in the Sermon on the Mount. We've We've looked at the beginning of the gospel, and now we're kind of moving along, kind of working our way through, and here we come to a section that Matthew records several miracles of Jesus. And so today we're going to begin and looking and asking our que- this question, what is the purpose of miracles? Why did Jesus need to show himself? Why did he display these powers why do we need to know about them and what do we learn about him through them and so today we're going to look at a cluster of three miracles that jesus began uh, after the sermon on the mount and answer the question the purpose of miracles so let's begin reading at the beginning of chapter 8 we'll go to verse 17 when he came down from the mountain large crowds followed him Right away, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And when Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer a gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found one in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your recorded word. We know it is perfect without error and even doubt, knowing what you have done in your life to save us from our sins is sure and steady. And even when we're not, we know that you will be. And Lord, as we come to your word, we ask you to speak to our hearts, 
heal our hearts. Help us to see you in the way that you have revealed yourself through your word. And God, I pray that you would change our hearts and minds, that if we are in error, you correct us. If we need encouragement, you would give us hope. If we need to be more obedient, we would become more obedient. Lord, may we never be the same again because of the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I say, what, when the word miracle comes to mind, what do you think about? What do you think of as a miracle? Do you think of a miraculous sports event? Do you hear Al Michaels' voice saying, do you believe in miracles when the U.S. upset Russia? Do you maybe think of a miraculous birth? Maybe you think of a healing that can only be explained by God. Maybe you think of a, of a timely moment when God provided a job or financial help right when you needed it. Maybe you think of a wooden puppet coming to life. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully you don't think of that. <laughs> Whatever miracle you think of, you know that a miracle is something where divine intervention steps into human nature and know that it can only be explained by the power outside of this world supernaturally occurring to make things happen. Brothers and sisters, we read the Bible and we see many miraculous events occurring if you're a christian you know that god intervenes on behalf of his people but you also think how do we respond to these miracles what are the purposes of them well secularists and naturalists will kind of huff and puff and brush aside these miracles as mere happenstances or some write about the naivety of the ancient world that they just think these things happen but we know that the bible speaks even more clearly to these miracles that they did happen they had great attestation that many people saw them that they were beyond a shadow of a doubt happened by god's hand or by christ himself the bible shows us that miracles are a display of god and his power to show his unique authority as creator of the world to intervene in the world for his sovereign purposes and plans god has done that through all of history he has intervened sovereignly through human events we see god saving his people we see god showing up to to show others that there are false gods and he's the true god we see jesus healing raising people from the dead we see all these events and every one of these miracles points to a reason a purpose a truth about god now we don't want to minimize these miraculous events and what god did but often we focus solely on the parting of the sea or the raising of the dead or the healing of this and forget to ask this question why is God doing this because in the scriptures what we know is that the miracles are for us to learn more about God to learn about who he is 
and in connection that Jesus is the true Messiah and that he is the true God-man Savior of the world. The Gospel of Matthew helps us to see this connection of God and his authority from his teaching to the miracles. If we were reading, and we're reading along in chapter 7, you would probably have to go back and do that, but we had just concluded the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 8 and 9, we see this recorded several miracles. And this connection of 5, 6, 7, and 8 and 9, the gospel writer is showing that Jesus is authoritative in his word and his authority in his action as the Christ. Now, how do we know this? Well, Matthew chapter 7 ends in this way. Verse 28 and 29. You can see that. You don't have to flip very far. It should be right there. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority, not like their scribes. Matthew invites us to see the teachings of Jesus and the miracles together that they both proclaimed. Jesus is king and his words and his works go together to bear his authority and that we can see his kingdom embraces all of this together after Jesus teaches by the authority of his word what do we see happen in 8 and 9 he continues to do miracles by his word all of it's connected at his word, in verses 1 through 4, he says, I am willing, be clean. And the leper was cleansed. A centurion just says, just say the word. And what does Jesus do? He said the word. And the servant is healed. Jesus heals, and through the rest of 8 and 9, Jesus heals all the sick, stills the storm, expels demons, forgives sin, all by his word friends these are not party tricks these are not uh, these are not uh, ways for Jesus to show off they are designed for Jesus to show his authority as essential in his teaching and his ministry as the Christ the authority that reveals is Jesus authority over the created world of your life and of salvation when you read these miracles brothers and sisters you should be encouraged to know that this savior has the authority to do miraculous things it should remind you of a greater power in your life it should draw you to praise the king of kings when you see and know that he is active in your life and you should consider his sovereign plan when he is teaching himself about when he, the miracles happen that Jesus is showing there is a purpose behind these miracles in this passage we're going to see that there are three truths about the miracles of Jesus if you're taking notes on your phone or on the bulletin number one the miracles of Jesus 
were his way to show that he would come near to us. The miracles of Jesus were his way to show he would come near to us. The first miracle that we see here is that Jesus heals a leper. Now, just as soon as his teaching was over, this leper came to him. Obviously aware of his teaching and knowing his authority in his teaching, he came to him knowing that he had the answer to his problem. This term that he uses when Jesus, what does it say, cleanses this leper is key to this story. Leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, is, a, yes, a skin disease. It is also known that it can get so bad that it can affect the, the organs of the body, that even there's no feeling to the skin. But this disease, this issue, is greater than just a physical problem. It's a spiritual one. Because according to the law, anyone who had leprosy was considered unclean. This skin disease was repulsively unclean in that day. That the person who had it would be separated from their family, separated from worship. They would not be allowed unless a spiritual uh, uh, process went through and ultimately until they were healed or went away would they be allowed to worship. As a matter of fact, if someone if they were walking through the streets and going to the market or going to wherever, they would literally have to say if people were around them, unclean, unclean, unclean. It would repel the people around them so that they would not be touched. Can you imagine the isolation? The person in those days that would say that the leper would be unclean. Leviticus 5.3 says, or if he touches human uncleanliness, all uncleanliness by which one can be defiled without being aware of it, but later recognizes it, he incurs guilt. Here's this leper who has spent some part of his life separated from others. You know, not to be light of the situation, but I'm thankful of this this virus that has swept across elementary schools for as long as I can imagine. And thankfully, we know that we have a virology or a, a treatment that is probably stronger than anything CDC can come up with. Do you know what it is? Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I have my cootie shot. Okay, so if you don't know, if you've never been in that situation, you know, I mean, look, if it's a boy or a girl, you don't want to be near a boy or a girl, or if you get, if you brush by, oh, you got my cootie, I got cooties from you. So you got to make sure you have your inoculation, right? Well, unfortunately, elementary school students can, can weaponize this, right, to people and start talking about the other person and and that person becomes isolated and separated and people are against them how much greater severity 
this leper has experienced. To not have the embrace of his family, to not be welcomed at the table, to not be able to go anywhere without someone knowing that they were unclean, to be isolated and know that in the night while they were alone that nothing was going to change the next day. It was going to be the same thing. Rinse, repeat. Tomorrow was going to be the same thing over again. Loneliness and alone. But notice, this is not how Jesus treated him. It was the exact opposite. These people who ran from him. What do we see? When Jesus came across prostitutes and lepers, he moved towards them. Pity flooded his heart. The tongue of true compassion. He spent time with them. And what did he do to this leper at the risk of himself? He touched them. Friends, we can all testify to the the, the humanness of touch, the, the warmth, hug, embrace, the, the greeting that we receive. There is something that even studies have said that those who are touched in a loving way feel better about themselves. Imagine the de deprivation that this man felt, but instead Christ went to him. There's something deeper that's going on than Christ's miracle. It's his touch of compassion. You see, he was reversing the Jewish system. Christ's earthly ministry was one of giving back to undeserved sinners their humanity. And notice this, when Jesus touched the leper, his touch, rather than contaminating Jesus, cured the leper. Brothers and sisters, this is a spectacular demonstration of what Jesus does when he comes in contact to human sin. Jesus did not become sinful by becoming one of, one of us. Rather, he made it possible for us to be cleansed from sin by contacting him. Dane Ortland writes in his book that we are, we've been reading, he says, when Jesus, the clean one, touched an unclean sinner, Jesus did not become unclean. The sinner became clean. Brothers and sisters, we may have things in our past or even our present that make us feel untouchable sins that we've struggled with or sins others have committed against us and in of ourselves we know that we are unclean of a holy god but friends on the cross Jesus identified himself with us and came into sin and died on the cross for that sin to make us clean. Today, if you're struggling with sin or an issue, understand this and see this right in this healing that Jesus comes near to you. He is not running away. He is not cringing. He has come to you in this moment and in him, by faith and repentance, you can be healed. Today, 
you might be struggling with an issue and know you need to know that Jesus wants to come near to you. Maybe this week when you started school for the first time, new school, new class, new group dynamics, maybe you felt like an outcast. I want you to hear that Jesus wants to come near to you. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Here's the good news, friend. Jesus wants to come near to you and to help you. He's given you his word. And if you build your marriage on him and his word, then he will come near and repair and restore your marriage. Maybe you're a fear-frustrated parent. Remember this. God is a frustrated parent. (laughs) He has to deal with us. Remember that Christ comes near to you. Whatever is in you that you feel overwhelmed with, look to Christ because he has come near and wants to help you. And this is why I encourage you so much to make sure that you're plugged in to a life group because it is with that fellowship of other believers that Christ will come near to you. You know, this week, I had someone just out of the blue come walk up to the the church and they said, Pastor, I want you to know this. Back in January, I lost my daughter. And somebody from your church, while I was at Speedway, stopped and prayed with me. And I just needed you to know, I needed that person so bad that day. And that person was willing to be God near to me that day. Friend, it is when we're with other believers that we God works and encourages us and helps us. So I encourage you as at the end of our service when we're having launch, life groups launch that you plug into one, commit to one because it's in there that we know that God will come near to you in a practical way through other believers. We also know that if you need help and you want to be connected to one of our soul care counselors, see me after the service. We'd love to connect you with someone who can help you trust in God and his word and help him come near to you and your problems. Whatever you're struggling with and whatever you're going through, hear this. Do not forget this when you leave. Christ will come near to you. Number two. The miracles of Jesus are an invitation for us to respond in faith to him. The miracles of Jesus are an invitation for us to respond in faith to him. Now in verse 5 through 13, we see Jesus now cleanse an ethnic outsider. No longer a Jewish person, but a, a Roman centurion. What does this mean? Well, the Roman centurion was obviously someone who was a Gentile and obviously to the Jewish at that time was outside the faith and also a strict enemy of the Jewish people at that time. And this context makes Jesus' reply in verse 7 even more amazing when he says, should I just come to your house? What do you want me to do? Uh, That would have been uncalled for. That would have been uh, never acceptable in that day. For a Jewish man to go into this Roman centurion's house 
Immediately the centurion confessed that he was not worthy to have Jesus under his roof. And he knew that Jesus only needed to speak a word. Boy, amazingly, this description that we read in verse 10 when the centurion says, how do you know, you know, how does he know that he can do this? Well, verse 10, he says, look, I'm a commander, and the people I, I lead, when I say go, they go. When I tell them to come, they come. When I tell them to jump, they say how high. I know that I, when there's authority that you can do it. And in this moment, he was declaring that this type of faith, that he knew that Jesus had the authority over all things to just speak it, and it would happen. Which we should say, what kind of faith is this? Jesus said he has not found this type of faith anywhere in Jerusalem. He cannot even uh, see it in his disciples what kind of faith is this? This is a picture that Matthew gives us in the centurion of a faith of a humble trust in the authority of Jesus. The centurion's explanation says that if you say it, it will happen. Imagine that faith that we would have in our lives. This Gentile centurion was it leaning on prior information? We know this is the first time recorded that this has ever happened. We see Jesus touching or Jesus near the person, but the centurion is going beyond this. Just speak the word. We don't know how far the, this servant was away, but he knew that if Jesus said it, that settled it. And we see this miracle is really yes in the healing of his servant who was paralyzed but more so we see the miracle in the heart of this centurion that he had faith to trust in Christ in this way that God had helped him to see by faith that he could receive power in the name of Christ that through this, the power of faith in the believer in receiving the miracle of Christ by faith. And friends, this is the same miracle that happens when we receive our salvation in Jesus. That God brings us to faith that we might see He is the true Savior. That by faith we can see we cannot save ourselves. That by faith we can see that He is the one true God. By faith we can see that when He died on the cross and was buried and three days later rose again, that we know that He has paid the penalty of sin for us. By faith we know that we can receive it and be saved forever. This faith is a miraculous faith. And if we think back to when we were saved, we will say, oh, I was not pursuing God. He pursued me. And that day I believed. This saving faith is a power for us to look and be able to receive Jesus Every one of you came in here today and you scooted down the pew or you sat down at the end 
And all of you are sitting good. None of, none of you are sitting in the floor. So when you sat down, the pew did not give way. As a matter of fact, right in that moment when you were about to sit, I bet none of you even thought, you know what, I need to see if this thing's good. You didn't ask for a certificate of history on the pews withholding itself. You didn't ask for an incident report to make sure that all the pews are, are steady and sure. You just sat. Friends, this is the trust and faith that we have in Jesus. That we, by faith, know He is the one we can rest everything in. This is the type of faith that saves. There's total no hesitation that Jesus is who he says he is. And in that faith is a miracle. Charles Spurgeon described this miracle that we should not wash over quickly. Spurgeon says, The many wonders of our world are nothing when compared to the countless wonders of grace. Only a foolish man does not admire the works of God in nature. A person is frivolous who does not trace in all the hand of God in history. But he is even more unwise who ignores the masterpiece of divine skill and wisdom that are to be seen in the empire of divine grace. In the kingdom of God, the museum of grace is richer than that of nature. A heart broken of an account of sin is far greater wonder than the rarest fossil. Whatever it may tell of ancient floods of the sea or convulsions of the land, an eye that glistens with the tears of repentance is greater marvel than the falls of Niagara. Faith that humbly links itself to Christ has in it a great and beauty as in the rainbow, and a confidence that looks alone to Jesus is as much as an object for admiration as is the sun when it shines in its strength. Let others applaud the wonders they have seen, but it is for the redeemed to say that God's work of redemption is more amazing than anything else in our world. Friend, maybe you've come here today and you've never trusted in Christ. Well, today a miracle can happen when you trust by faith in Jesus. Today, you can go, <coughs> excuse me, from outside the family to inside the family. You can go from death to life. You can go from lost to found. By faith, you can be changed. So I pray right now that by faith, you would trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord and be saved. But I also take to you, believer, <coughs> that you maybe need to respond in faith today. The Bible says that we need to trust in the miraculous works of God to change our hearts and lives. And maybe today, your step is to act in obedience of faith to God. For example, 
maybe you're worried about something and you've stayed up at night even last night that you're worried about something a provision a job or situation at work or school but what does the bible say do not worry about tomorrow because today <coughs> has enough trouble of its own i pray brother or sister that maybe by faith today you would trust in a big God and let him handle that for you. Maybe you know that you need to forgive someone and Satan the schemer has kept you from that conversation. He's told you all the lies of things that could happen or might happen or how all the bad things that conversation could go wrong. But what does God's word tell us to do? Be reconciled. Grant forgiveness. So maybe by faith and trust, you need to extend forgiveness to that person and let God work on your and their heart. Trust and faith. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you need to trust in faith to allow God to be at work in accordance to his word and it might not be that you need paralysis healed but you know you need the hand of god in your life so brother and sister today have faith in christ and let him work third and finally the miracles of jesus are to show us that he heals us from our sin Verse 14 through 17, Jesus has, an, uh, we see that Jesus goes to Peter's house, his mother-in-law gets healed, and then it says all night people are being brought to him that needs to be healed, even demon-possessed people. And it's, it's kind of a, an understanding or a, a kind of a, a look ahead to the different things that Jesus would do miraculously through his ministry. Matthew's quotation, though, ends in this, that in verse 17. This happened so that all spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weakness and carried our diseases. Matthew's quotation is, is perplexing. Why does this section that really talks about the substitutionary death in the place of sinners show up here this quotation comes from isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 and and and, and that verse in verse 5 says this yet he himself bore our sickness and carried our pains but we in turn regarded him stricken struck down by god and afflicted but he was pierced because of our rebellion crushed because of our iniquities punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds so why this section why this prophecy of of the one who would be slain the lamb who would come the suffering servant who would take the place of sinners why would this happen here because it was to connect jesus 
physical healing ministry to his spiritual healing ministry. We are reminded that these healings ultimately point to Jesus' authority to save us from our ultimate sickness, which is sin. Friends, we know that always there's a connection to health and spiritual life. Stress, headaches, anxiety, chest pains, physically sick from being overwhelmed. We know that internally our sin and our concerns can manifest physically. And we also know that they oftentimes, sometimes, have spiritual reasons. The Bible says this is why there are some who are sick among you, connecting sin to our sickness. Now we know that not every sickness is punishment from God. It's clear that biblically that God uses sickness, though, to discipline us and to refine us. We also know that not every sickness is retribution. But we do know that sin is the result of the fall. So though we may not be demon-possessed, we are all sin-stricken. And he is making this point that Jesus' healing of our sickness is his ability and authority to heal us of something far more important. Each of these stories, sickness is used as an illustration of sin that we might call the disease of sin sickness. And Jesus' healing of those who are physically sick becomes an outward demonstration of Jesus' more important authority to forgive sin. And as Jesus walked upon the earth, he banished disease from his presence because he knew he came to heal the sick. Friends, the kingdom wasn't arrived yet, but it was starting. And Jesus was there. People began to be healed. People began. Demons were sent away. Things began to change to the proper way how God ordained it. But we know that one day, Revelation 21.4 says that there will be a day that there will be no longer any death. There will be no longer any sin. There will be no longer mourning or crying or death. And the ultimate consequence of both sin and death and disease will be no more. Hallelujah. So we know that this teaches that Jesus, when he came, we can look to him as his ultimate, our ultimate authority over our sin in our life. So first, how do we respond? Well, everyone who believes and trusts in Christ receives salvation. Today, maybe you need to respond by faith. And in that moment, Jesus will make you a beloved son or daughter. Second, to all who trust in the power of Christ, you can expect substantial healing in your life. Look, no doubt we all bear substantial scars from our rebellious life, but Jesus will help us recover emotionally, morally, and spiritually by trusting and obeying in Him. Our God can handle any situation. And we are... Th- 
able to put our confidence in him to be healed to be saved and the centurion was right the Lord has supreme authority and we need to hang on to that truth so whatever you need healing emotionally physically maybe perhaps financially you need to put your trust in Christ turn to him with your hurts and your bitterness your resentment and he can help heal you of those things too friends the Lord is king over all and his power is supreme his love is unequaled his salvation is sure and if you welcome it it will change your life forever so friend when we look at the miracles of Jesus we see who he really is a savior who can overcome all things a savior who wants to come near a savior by faith we can receive his healing would you receive that today let us pray Heavenly Father we are thankful for your word and knowing in Christ that we can be healed of our sin and we can trust in him God I pray right now that we would not be overwhelmed by the situations in our life but instead that we would trust in you trust in your son Jesus who has the authority to forgive the authority to heal and the authority to cleanse God we ask you right now for those who are struggling with things in life that they would by faith trust in your word and trust in you God of today we pray that if someone would turn in repentance and faith we know that you have the power to save we ask this in Jesus name amen amen Something that makes Christians unique in the world is not that when we look at the world we're uncaring, that, that we just don't care, but that we actually have comfort in knowing that God is in control and that he loves us and that there's nothing that is outside of his ability. So would you stand to your feet and let's profess our comfort in knowing that whatever happens, it is well with our soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Oh, the bliss of this fall.
taking our offerings if you want to prepare for that there's a couple quick announcements first of all as i mentioned today is the launch of our life group uh, off-campus life groups and we encourage you today to make sure that you are plugged into one uh, uh, inside your bulletin was a list of of the on-campus and off-campus life groups and we hope that you can commit and be part of one of those all the leaders are going to be without or at least a representative from each one of the groups will be out we encourage you, if you are part of one, still go ahead and uh, sign on the paper that you are part of that group, uh, just as a uh, reminder of your encouragement commitment to that group. But if you're not part of one, go and uh, talk to the life group. Uh, try one. That's one of the things we do with our new members class. Try one and uh, get connected to them. Uh, and so on this schedule is the schedule for each one of them, and you can go across the foyer there and each one of them are laid out and so that you can know more about them so we hope that you do that today it's our launch most of them are meeting actually this week and so uh, you want to go find out uh, those today 
Also, this, today is the launch of our D groups, and some of the D groups have already said we're going to meet this week or the next week. And so if you're not part of the D group, and as I said last week, the difference between a life group, life group is a larger group of about 12 or more who are meeting in a home or in here at church. Um, a D group is a small group, three to maybe sometimes four. Sometimes it's just one-on-one. These are people who commit to reading the Bible and meeting together once a week. And so that's the difference. So if you, you hear a bunch of groups, we talk about that. Uh, D group is small, small two or three or four. The life group is a larger group. And we both of those are every week. So if you're interested in uh, either one of those, sign up for a life group across the hall at those tables. If you want to know more about a D group, you can see Heidi Browning, who's right there, and then uh, or the Next Steps desk, they can give you some information, one of the cards to fill out so we know what days of the week that you're available. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Back to School Bash is canceled today uh, due to the rain and un, uh, kind of unnerving forecast, and so unfortunately, we won't be able to do that, but we will still have Hopefully our trunk or treat in October and we'll make that bigger and better. And so uh, do invite someone, maybe you invited to the, uh, the uh, back to school bash today, invite them to church and then uh, maybe to uh, the trunk or treat later in October. Um, this week is I think our last gentle and lowly uh, group. And so we hope that you will join us at uh, eight o'clock on Tuesday night or 10 a.m. here at the church. Those are copies for that. Even if you didn't haven't read along with us if you like a copy of that book we have plenty of those and you can get one of those at the next steps desk and finally hopefully if you are uh, uh, being able to be a part of our new members class it is these next two wednesdays we really need you to sign up and let them know at the next steps desk today that you're planning to attend there's some paperwork and a book that you need to uh, to grab so that we can have that class so make sure that you do that today uh, and the last thing, this is something exciting. Alethea, come on up. And no, she's not in trouble. <laughs> we are excited because Alethea has trusted and repented of her sins and trusted in Christ, and she wants to follow through with sharing all this with you and being baptized. Isn't this exciting? So we are excited about what God is doing in her life, and she is the daughter of uh, Heidi and Derek over there, and we are thankful for them pointing her towards Jesus and the Lord doing a great work in her life. And so she's been really, uh, she trusted in Christ a while back, and she's really ready to take this step. We met with her today, and we're excited about what God's doing in your life, Alethea. You can go over there and sit down, and at the end of the service, come back up with one of your parents and everybody will come encourage her in her faith. And we'll have her baptism here in just a few weeks. Well, here in our, uh, we're about to take our offering. You can do that by several different ways. You can do that electronically right there on the screen. You can scan that. There's a card in front of you in the pew. You can scan that as well if you want to do that electronically. Or you can do that in person now as we take up the offering. Or those of you at home, you can mail that in 
uh, to our church as well. So we're going to take part in that. If you've already given electronically, praise God. Uh, maybe you've prayed during this time that God would multiply uh, the finances so that we can give even more to missions. So that's something that you can do during this time as we take the offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for what you give and that we can give a portion of it at, back so that your kingdom can be advanced. Lord, uh, bless you as the giver. Thank you. Praise you, God. Now, we're thankful as we have the opportunity to give back. In Jesus' name, amen.
Till my guilty soul imploring turn to Calvary. Sing it with me. There your mercy and your grace was free. There your pardon multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Now I've given Jesus everything. Now I gladly know Him as my King. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. So found. 